Good morning. Grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to ask you to do something with me this morning. Would you ponder this question with me? It's really a simple question, not too hard. What makes a great plant a great plant? Or what makes an apple tree an apple tree? What makes a pear tree a pear tree? Or a grapefruit tree a grapefruit tree? What do you think? Seems simple enough. We see the grapes and we know that it's a grape plant. And a, so the grapes help us set that plant apart as a great plant, right? The apples help us set that tree apart as an apple tree. And so it seems like our focus should be on the fruit. And so it is also with this passage. It seems that we should be focusing on the fruit. And so you'll find that the word fruit or bear fruit occurs some ten times, yes, I counted them, some ten times in these 17 verses. It starts with bearing fruit, and then if you look in verse 16, it actually ends with bearing fruit that endures. And so it seems that the text is, again, focusing our attention on the fruit. And that's what my friend Lamedy also thought. Lamedy was my language helper in Togo, West Africa. When I first got there, I had to learn French. And so I set aside a bit of time every morning to learn French, and I asked Lamedy to come in and to just spend about an hour with me. And one of the exercises we did was go through the New Testament in French. And we began to read the book of John. And I remember distinctly to this very day, when we got to chapter 15, Lamedy read these first 17 verses in his flawless, beautiful French. And then I tried to imitate him in my less than beautiful, stilted French. And then afterwards, we kind of had a conversation about what it meant. And that conversation lasted about 30 seconds because it was in French. And then he switched to English, which was a good thing. And so we began to discuss this text a little bit. And he told me what he thought about this text. He said, you know, it seems that, uh, it seems that John is telling us, or that Jesus is telling us here, that the way you get connected to Jesus, the way that you remain in Jesus and get connected to God is by doing, by bearing fruit, right? By doing good works. Now, I should mention that Lamadi was a very strong uh, practicing Muslim. And that probably colored his view and his interpretation of this text. But I think we as Christians, we also tend to focus our attention on the fruit and the bearing of fruit. But let me ask you that question again. What makes a great plant a great plant? And what makes an apple tree an apple tree? Is it really the fruit? Not really, is it? It's the trunk and the root system that makes an apple tree an apple tree. It's the trunk and the roots that is the vine that makes a grape plant a grape plant. Get rid of the trunk and after a few months you have nothing but a pile of tinderwood. And yet for some reason we're so tempted to get it backwards. We're tempted to put the cart in front of the horse to let the tail wag the dog. And when we do that, weird things happen. You see, to get the cart moving, we admonish the cart and we feed the cart rather than tending to the horse. To get the tail wagging, we admonish the tail and we dress it up with bow ties rather than tending to the dog. Now, if you've lost me, I apologize because I'm mixing metaphors like crazy this morning, okay? Let's get back to the metaphor here in John chapter 15. 
when you focus on the fruit, weird things begin to happen. Sometimes we might get disappointed, depressed, even dismayed because, well, that person's fruit seemed bigger and juicier than my fruit. And so in one way or another, I try to take their fruit and I try to make it my own, right? I, I tape it on or I tie it on or I glue it on and at first it looks wonderful. And people look at me and they admire the wonderful fruit that I have. But what happens after a little bit of time, it withers and rots because it's not connected truly to the true vine. And then sometimes we get a little prideful, don't we? Yeah, admit it, just a little prideful because, because the works that I do, the fruit that I bear, are better than that person's fruit, right? And then in order to kind of build up and maintain this facade, we, we set up this system of ranking. No, it's not, it's not purposeful. It's not even out. It's under the surface, right? But we always do it. There's this system where some fruit ranks higher than other fruit. So, for instance, serving the wretched and the poor in West Africa as a missionary, that's got to rank higher than, for instance, studying for an exam or writing a paper, right? And maybe you professors would agree with me that all of this ranks infinitely higher than grading those same papers. See, here's the deep irony in all of this. Here's the deep irony of what Jesus is telling us this morning. If you focus on the fruit, you not only lose the fruit, you just might also lose the branch because you just might get disconnected from the trunk. So how do you get more and better fruit? Well, that's easy. You focus on the trunk. You focus on the vine. And the true vine is Jesus Christ. And how do you get Jesus? Well, you get Jesus where he wants to be gotten. You get Jesus in his word. And as you live and breathe and dwell in that word on a daily basis, Jesus lives and breathes and dwells in you. Now let's not forget the context here either. This is Monday, Thursday. Jesus is giving his goodbye speech to his disciples. Just a few minutes earlier, he had celebrated the Last Supper, and he had said in very direct, clear speech, Take and eat. This is my body. And take and drink, this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. And then afterwards, he gives them this farewell speech. He says, I'm leaving you, but don't worry, because I will continue to dwell in you as you dwell in me. And then, well, we know how the story goes. A few hours later, he's captured by his enemies, he's led through this false trial, and then the next day, he's tortured horrendously, he's led up to Mount Calvary, and he's nailed against that rough wooden cross, and he dies on behalf of you and on behalf of me. But the grave could not hold him, could it? Death and decay would not have the final victory. And so he rises from the dead victorious. What does that mean for us? Well, my, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that means that the trunk is no dead block of wood. It means that it's not a dead, decaying trunk that you can easily uproot or easily kick over. It's not about a memory of something that was, but it's about a promise of something that is right now. It's a living, vibrant trunk 
with a root system infinitely deeper and more widespread than anything that we could possibly imagine in our wildest dreams. And my dear friends in Christ, when you're grafted onto that trunk, when you're grafted onto that vine, then the same liveliness and power and energy and vibrancy of the vine is now ours. And then, and only then, do we see something happen. We see that Jesus, the great I Am, the great Yahweh, He who was dead and is now alive, the living Lord and Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He bears fruit through you and through me. And here's the deal. It's it's not a fake fruit, but it's a true fruit, a fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and so on and so forth. And so no matter your vocation, whether pastor or mother, monk or husband, missionary or student, university president, or that young kid who takes your order at Chick-fil-A, it's all equally valuable and offers an equally invaluable service in God's sight. Why? Because no matter the activity that we do, in whatever vocation God has placed us in, we remain intimately connected with the true vine, Jesus Christ. And that vine bears fruit abundantly. So let me end this morning as a friend often ends his letters to me when he writes to me, always in Christ, and therefore always bearing fruit. Amen?